everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about episode 515. This is the penultimate episode of, I guess, the whole series. It's like, the wow. whole series. Amazing. This is like the second to last one. Um, it is called Granite State, uh, and it was written and directed by Peter Gould, who I have right here. Yay! Yay. This is the sound of my voice. <laughs> um, I'm also here with uh, creator Vince Gilligan. Yay. Hello. Executive producer Michelle McLaren. Hello. Uh, co-executive producer Melissa Bernstein. Hello. And uh, star of our show, Brian Cranston. Hey. Yay. Yay. Okay. So this is a, a really, really, really intense episode. Um, it is the penultimate and it is, you know, shooting us straight into our finale. But it also is coming off of a hugely sad and emotional episode ending last week where uh, Walt took the baby. Walt and Skyler had this huge fight. Um, Junior uh, stepped in and, you know, said, you know, don't hurt my mom. And Walt leaves the house and takes baby Holly with him. And also Hank's demise in that episode, too. Yeah, Hank passed away. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that did happen. Huge. <laughs> he, he peacefully. He passed away peacefully. we're not talking about that episode. We will talk about it. I know. About I'm just saying, that, boy, that was a big one. We, but but I, I guess I just want to speak to it from Walt's emotional state where he left the baby you know, he, he realizes that, uh, that, you know, he can't take baby Holly with him. He leaves her in a fire station and then he goes with this mysterious disappearer. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, I think about the way that this opens is we open up on a, a vacuum store and a minivan and we left, la we lo left that episode last week with Walt in that minivan, but this time it's not Walt in that minivan. Mm -hmm. So we get two reveals here. We get the reveal of this amazing casting that surprised us all, at least up in the editing room, it surprised us, um, of Robert Forster. Robert. You guys want to talk about getting Robert Forster? <laughs> Just a dream come true to get to work with uh, Robert Forster. I'm, I'm lucky I got to meet him. I was there uh, prepping to, to direct the, the final episode, so I got to, because I'm so seldom, unfortunately for me, in Albuquerque, but got to have dinner with him. And just a dream come true to get to, to cast him and work with him. He's was a it, wonderful guy. Was it tough to get him? I mean, when you when, did you just call him and say you want to do this? or our, our Casting uh, folks, uh, Sharon Bialy and Sherry Thomas and, and their assistant, Russell, uh, handled it the way. Associate. associate casting associate, uh, Russell. Uh, uh, they all, uh, they, they got it done. Um, but, I mean, did you ask for Robert Forrester, or did they just say this is a possibility? Or? I think we, we asked. Really? We asked. He was, he was the person who we pitched. Uh, when we were talking about this character, we thought Robert Forrester, and we watched – uh, him playing Max Cherry in uh, Jackie Brown, in Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. and uh, that was that was really that was the you know he was the prototype and he became the character and and I, I couldn't couldn't have been happier to have him uh, and, and to get to introduce such a great character. Absolutely, and I absolutely talked the poor man's ear off yes. about Jackie Brown and yes. how much <laughs> I love that movie and how much Boy, I love. He's a great storyteller. He's though. a yes. great storyteller. It had a yeah. wonderful time. So yeah. we also reveal that it's not actually Walt that's in this minivan. So we. We are picking up a little bit later than we were in the mm -hmm. last episode. It's actually Saul. Saul is called the disappearer for himself, and he's willing to just blow the pop stand of Albuquerque and go someplace else. Mm -hmm. So, did you guys want to? We're just blowing up the show. You know, <laughs> that's it's the end. It's the penultimate you know, we, episode. It's so. a penultimate episode. Everything's so everything's but, going to hell. But what is what is uh, what is the reason for Saul to do this? As you know, as well. 
I'm not trying to sound like an idiot. I'm just curious. I mean, about... he, it seems to me he is. Uh, he's he's he, he's a good guy for licking his finger and holding it up and seeing which way the wind is blowing. And the wind is blowing ill here. <laughs> he's just he's he's just he's going to go to jail if he hangs around. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's okay. it's gone that far. It's gotten that bad. So we see Saul. Saul is now going to Albuquerque. I mean, excuse me, he's blowing Albuquerque, going mm-hmm. to Omaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Forster has really has a vac. I mean, well, the disappearer. He doesn't really have a name. Does he have a name, Vince? Yes, he, he does have Peter? a name. I named him in the script. I named him Ed because okay. it's short, uh, and it wouldn't it wouldn't make the script longer to have it. It's, I, I, that's, that's my advice to writers out there. When you're when you're writing, you always you always try to keep the name short so it doesn't make a new paragraph when you're doing description. That and take plenty of naps. That's, that's about right. the only good writing naps. advice I yes, think there you go. Give. So. So we have uh, we have him. He really does. He really is a vacuum cleaner uh, repair man. He has a whole store of vacuum cleaners. Um, is this a store that you guys found, or is this a set, or because it really is done extremely well? This is a real. This is a this real, is... honest to god location, and it was. It was. It's the man who runs the place is very nice. I'm forgetting his name. We almost he almost sold me a vacuum cleaner, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was it was pre dressed. We actually had to pull. A few things out because just to to create less visual confusion, but it was it was a fantastic location. Very, and you know, Albuquerque's always been great to us, and we keep finding. We we, you, we couldn't believe that that yeah. these guys wrote a vacuum cleaner repair shop, and we found, found the ultimate you, vacuum, vacuum cleaner, cleaner repair, repair shop. You found several. Chris, that was just the best like, one. Well, Christian, yeah, Christian, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. his team did, and and it was amazing. But that one was hands down just. And it was awesome. great that there was a hidden uh, hidden room mm-hmm. built beneath it. Uh, yeah, you know, behind a, behind a panel uh, in, in the basement. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very, very handy. Uh, and monitors and all And monitors and everything. Yeah. Yes. It, you know, he actually, I don't know what he does with those monitors the rest of the time. It's, uh, so we, but we find out um, through that, that uh, uh, Ed, uh, the disappearer, basically tells Saul that you're going to have a roommate. I don't like to do this, but, you know, I'm going to have to make an exception. You're going to have a roommate just until I can get him settled. And we look on the monitor, and then we see that Walt is downstairs raving, and you know he smacks a light at the, you know, mm-hmm. on, on camera, and I mean on the uh, on the monitor, and he's raving down there, and we have no idea what his state of mind is at the end of the teaser. You said the key the key word for us in the writers' room raving. Is, no, oh. Walt's. Well, that's what we do. <laughs> but what's Walt's state of mind? You know, after everything that happened in the last episode, where where is he? What's he thinking? What's he? You know, what's his? And and we actually had some trouble with the episode at first, and then we realized no, this this guy he's he's he thinks in his own mind he's rallying and he's gonna he's gonna somehow pull the situation out, uh, and so that when we meet him he's he's full of plans and full of and maybe they're frantic, maybe they're a little bit crazy. But he he thinks he thinks somehow he's going to recover from all this, and uh, this episode I think for me anyway I don't know about you Brian for epi- for me this episode is about Walt hitting bottom and almost seeing himself for what he is a little bit and and becoming uh, I don't know he sort he hits bottom anyway I don't know this, I don't know if I would agree with that from my standpoint as far as playing yeah, it because yeah. because if he still has plans he's got 11 million dollars in right. that barrel yes. and he's taking that with him right and he's he's still got plans <laughs> and he's charting out what he's going to do he knows his time is limited uh, but uh, maybe 
maybe it's semantics because I think of rock bottom. Uh, well, is he that, ha- not he's at the given be- up hope. Not that. at the beginning of the episode. I would say that the course of the episode in New Hampshire. To me, that, oh yeah. To me, as it as we progress, as it progresses, as we yeah. progress, and in order for him to hit rock bottom, he had to start somewhere. Yes. that wasn't rock bottom. Yes. Is, is what I was. Yes. Very is, good. Is the way I see it anyway. Well, uh, we come back from the teaser from our uh, main title break with Marie in the car, and she's looking very distraught. Almost looks like maybe she's come back from a. It can't be a funeral, obviously, because we don't know. She doesn't. We don't. The DEA does not know what happened to Hank and. Mm-hmm. Gomez, but she's looking very, very distraught. Where is she coming back from with Ramey? I. It's very, very, very somber. I'll though. speak for myself. I think she's coming back from DEA headquarters in Albuquerque, mm-hmm. having, having, I, some sort of statement. Giving maybe, a statement, trying not not question because that sounds like she's on under a hot light. But I mean that they probably ask her, can, "What can you tell us?" And she, and this is the first time the DEA has heard uh, about Walt. And about Jesse and about, you know, this is, it's all the shit has hit the fan. Now the DEA knows all uh, because, uh, unfortunately. I, I never really thought about that either. Yeah. It just, it had this air of uh, being in a funeral procession. I know yeah. that just lo- uh, having her listen, but just her face and it's ve- it's lit very cold and, you know, it's just, it's just very sad and somber. But it's funny because um, I think we're bringing as an audience, we're bringing way more knowledge than they are. So I, you know, I never really thought about it like that yeah. until just now. I mean, but it's not spelled out, but I mean, if you kind of do the mental arithmetic, it, it kind of dawns on you. Now, if she's in a car with Ramey and Ramey's saying to her, we're going to find Hank. I mean, she, they, everybody knows what she knows and she knows quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She knows a, that her uh, brother-in-law is Heisenberg and she's, clearly told all told everybody yeah and the way they come into that house with their guns drawn right. that's a badass scene i like the right. way he did that that was right. cool so they pull up and they realize that the house has been broken into so they jump out of the car it was really well directed peter i gotta say because you have that car that minivan pulling peeling out you know out of there and um, all the paper, you know, you were very lucky with the serendipitous way that the paper flipped oh, itself nothing. over well, they, on, yes. the, on the driveway. Serendipitous the way the E-fans threw the paper oh, around. Oh, no, it was yes. great. Remember I showed you that one that's not in there where it looks like the paper's just kind of walking across that's, the That's true, yeah. Across the driveway. But then um, what we realized with that scene is that uh, the videotape equipment that Hank has been using to videotape Jesse's confession has been broken into and we assume probably stolen. Hence the break-in, all the, right. all the evidence. It was, this was a search for evidence on the part of Uncle Jack and right. his crew. Yeah, And we find out in the next scene where we're watching the Jesse's taped confession, which I don't think, we haven't seen that. We saw them starting to do it, but mm-hmm. we never saw it. And now we're watching it. We're actually in Jack's compound watching it. They're, they've all gotten like takeout food and they're watching this confession. They're whooping and, it up, yeah. laugh, laughing when And they're laughing because Jesse is crying yeah. and, and they realize that, you know, it's you've, you've done this a couple times this season, Vince, where you've called back to that train robbery. This, again, is a part where he's talking about that train robbery, but he's talking about it in a very different way, and he's saying at the end that Todd actually shot Drew Sharp. Um, and... Uh, Uncle Jack at that point, you know, is bristling because this kid is given evidence against his nephew. Mm-hmm. But Todd has another idea. You know, to mm-hmm. talk about that, Peter. Well, Todd wants to keep keep Jesse around to cook. 
and uh, this is the scene where it's what's been implied is actually said out loud is that Todd is infatuated with Lydia. And, uh, you know, I, I one of the things I really liked about the scene and the way uh, Michael Bowen played it was that there's a little bit of affection that he has for this for this kid. The heart, the heart wants. wants what the heart wants, which, uh, <laughs> which uh, you know, is lifted from some Woody the Allen famous, movie. The famous That's, Woody Allen the quote. The famous Woody Allen quote. So it's, uh, Although I don't think from one of his movies, in fact. It's, it's from life, yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's there, you know, it's, that was... I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about that. I did like. I liked. I liked. That there was a little moment there. Um, but uh, from that scene, uh, they all go back into the compound, and then we see that Jesse is in back in this pit that we saw him in last week. Right. Uh, but now the picture of Andre and Brock has been actually added to the pit, so Jesse is in handcuffs, and I don't know what you call the thing where. Their chains around, so he can't even hardly do anything with his waist chain feet. or yeah. belly yeah. chain or something. Yeah, or and and uh, and so he rambles his way over to the picture and pulls it down, and it's a very sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesse is really like, it's like how's how is he? I mean, he, this is like the worst place that he could possibly be. I mean, mm-hmm. it almost seems like death would be better mm-hmm. than this. And he pulls the paperclip off and starts messing around with his handcuffs. I think it's to me it was what's fun about the beginning of this episode in some ways is that both of our heroes they're not done yet. You know, there's all this terrible shit has gone down and at this point in the season, but these two guys still have uh they still have some desire. There's still there's still a little bit of mojo there. And I, I was I was excited by the idea that Jesse still has enough you know, wherewithal to, to, to decide to escape. And in fact, he does escape in the courses. And the other thing oh, that I... spoiler. No. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and the other thing, well, it's later in the... Hopefully people I'm watch just, the episode first. But kidding. the other thing that I found so intriguing about, and it's not something, I don't know if we did it consciously, but both Walt and Jesse are underground as the uh, as the, as the as the episode starts. Huh, that's true. And, you know, and I don't think we did both, do that. They're case. both having these sort of, it's sort of these near, these almost near death. They're both crawling back from more or less death. Uh, in the episode, and I, I found that out I, of the grave. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I found that I found that really intriguing, and it's one of the things that we we tried to reinforce visually as as the as the episode went on. Well, uh, from there, we actually join Walt and Saul in the disappearer's basement, um, uh, and we get to see these two great guys together again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's funny because. Saul has a different kind of attitude at this point. His attitude's a little bit, you know, he's not, he, before in his office, he had a whole different sort of reverence for Walt. I mean, out of whether it was because he wanted to or because he was threatened. Mm-hmm. A wary respect, yeah. perhaps. Mm-hmm. It should but be yeah. yeah, but now it's a little bit different. So you guys want to, you know, Brian, you, Vince, Peter, want to talk about, you know, what was what was it like in the writer's room to start breaking this? Because obviously by this point I'm assuming that you guys knew how it was all going to end. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a penultimate. You pretty much knew. You're just kind of putting your building blocks in place at this point. But this was a scene that you were going to have to write with these two guys. Pretty much a, a farewell you know, I'm assuming. So, you know, do you guys want to talk about how that happened, or was it easy? Was it difficult? Well, from a from a actor standpoint, I, I love the mislead of the scene. Is that we we think it's going to go in one direction? That oh, here comes Walt again. He's going to Heisenberg his way through, mm-hmm. and bully uh, 
Saul yeah. into doing his bidding, and uh, and then uh, then he has a attack of of if his if his coughing mm-hmm. uh, coughing fit, and working with Peter and Bob on it, we we sort of wanted to to mix it around a little bit, and then um, uh, Pete suggested that I end up you know in a coughing fit that I collapse to the to the bed, which which uh, resonated with me because I think just physically then. As he's coughing and he's trying to tell Saul Goodman, "You're not going anywhere," but like a little boy looking up and yeah. trying to point his shaky finger yeah. at him, and Bob just looks down. Uh, Saul just looks down at me with pity yeah. and says, "No, we're done." For the first time, and there's nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, that was. This is one of those situations where, as a writer and as a director, it's, it's uh, you. You do. You kind of let the magic happen. Uh, is because watching these two guys work on this scene was just it was it was it was really exciting. It's like a master class. Well, and there's one of the things that emerged as we worked on it was there's an echo of um, of the scene from 501 where Walt backs Saul against oh, yeah. the wall and and he he, he gets and he, he 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 forces him under his thumb and Saul is terrified and now Walt tries to do it again and it doesn't work. And that's and that to me that's the that's the key. These are the key moments, sort of the set, the scene, and the episode. And these were things that were really they, these were actually they were hard fought yeah. in the in the writers' room. We had to really uh, and it's and always with the show, the question that we ask is where's Walt's head at? And the fact that he's still planning is great. And, and then the the scene takes this and you there's a pathos there's a pathos to it which I really liked and I love the way Robert Forster. Uh, comes in and he says I'll, I'll leave you two alone for a moment yeah. <laughs> but I like the part in the earlier in the scene where Walt is really trying to I mean he's writing down a list and he's mm-hmm. saying okay here's what you're gonna do Saul you're gonna get uh, you know a, a Hitman I think or something yes that's right and, that's right you know and Saul's like who who's who are we trying to hit you know at it's this over. point yeah, yeah. It's, just, you know, and, and, and Saul explains to Walt, you know, this is what's going to happen to your wife. Right. This is what's going to happen to your kids. Why don't you just, you maybe should just give yourself up. And yeah. Walt is like. No. Saul's giving sage advice. It's, it's a As very, he always yeah. has, which is really interesting. <laughs> yes. I mean, truly, yeah. when you think about it, yeah. in his own quirky way, his advice has always yeah. been very, yeah. very good. And, For the and most had, part, yeah. If you're, if you're going to be a criminal, if, he's, if you're going to be a criminal, he's the right guy to have on yeah, your yeah, team. Yeah. There's yeah, no that's question. True. That's true. Uh, and, but, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, in the scene, because to me, Saul is Saul, but he's sort of, he started to discard his Saulness, yeah, you know, so he doesn't have the he doesn't have the crazy clothing anymore. He's a little bit sallow. That's true. He's uh, in a white shirt and some. Yeah, that was all on know, purpose. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's really he's, it's it's you, you get the sense that he's now Saul is an identity. He's going to have to discard, and you realize that this guy built up Saul yeah. just as just as much from his heart as Walt built and up you Heisenberg. Said in the very beginning when we introduced Saul back in season two, they, Saul was not, Saul Goodman was not his real That's right. name. That's right. We've never, we've never heard what his real name is. We now. do know. No, it's, we, we, he said in that we? first it's, episode, he says, my name's McGill. McGill. We don't know what his oh, first name is. Though. I blew it. Sorry. Patty That's McGill. Ethan Bogota. But, so, so, so the disappearer Ed comes to get Saul first and leaves Walt down there and his coughing fit and you know pretty much yeah i love the line that you have in there about something about three pairs of dockers you know i'm going <laughs> to yeah. be the guy what is yeah. it yeah well it's just it's just uh, saul's kind of uh, talking about what his new life is going to be 
and it's just gonna it's gonna be terrible. He's managing a Cinnabon. Managing yeah. a Cinnabon, <laughs> and even if he's not literally doing that, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to keep his head low. And what? This is a guy who loves having his face on a billboard, yeah. and now he's not going to have that anymore. And I, I, I really <laughs> like that, uh, and I, I think it, uh, I think it, it works within the scene. I gotta think running a Cinnabon wouldn't be that bad. It smells so good in there. Because <laughs> I always like Cinnabon. I put that in as many scripts as possible. Okay. Because I think it's inherent- for free merchandise. It's inherently, <laughs> it's inherently funny. Next, we open the episode. At this point, we open the episode with Skylar at the DEA. And you know what's interesting? Uh, as we sit here recording this in May, this episode won't air till sep- late September, I guess. And uh, this episode, we do know, I know, I've seen the uh, director's cut, and it's marvelous. Uh, and it is also very, very long. Uh, because How long? It's, what is it, 14, 14 minutes? 14 minutes. Now, now, and here's the thing. We've had episodes <laughs> in the past that are longer than that in, uh, in their initial cuts, but somehow the time always comes out. But I am, I am not really uh, confident that the time is going to come out of this one so easily because there's so very much story in this one, and it has to be. So, you know what? This will be an experiment. The folks listening to this uh, in uh, late September, uh, I don't know how it comes out. You know, you know more than I do, oddly enough, uh, as you listen to this. Because either we're going to get some dispensation and let it air 10 or 8 to 12 minutes long, or we're going to cut the bejesus out of it. We don't know yet, so we're going to find out. Or maybe, hopefully, they'll let us air it once uh, the first time at length, and then in subsequent cuts... We'll have to cut the bejesus out of it. Well, so, what we're about to talk about, though, is a scene where where yeah. Skyler faces down the, uh, the the government the government lawyers, and it's, she's sort of got her own like sort of form of tinnitus on this one, that's where right. she's not really listening. I mean, she's listening, but we don't actually get to hear all of these things that are being said. Although until, I wrote it all, yeah. I wrote everything. <laughs> I wrote I wrote a whole a whole scene, and and, and the the, ca- the cast did a great job with it. And some of it's going to be under tinnitus, but. Uh, Especially Brennan Brown uh, did a great job as the uh, AUSA. He's 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 a wonderful actor. He's terrifying. He was scary, and he's <laughs> he's a wonderful actor. And also, we had uh, as as Skyler's lawyer Eric Price, who's somebody I've I've always loved from uh, Mad TV, and uh, <laughs> he he communicates uh, the the sweaty, nervous, overmatched lawyer beautifully. Uh, with words and with visuals, so yeah. it's it's uh, that was really a fun. It was a really fun scene to do, and Anna's wonderful. And really, course. what they're doing is they're basically saying you need to come up with something more. Yes. To uh, to help us out here, if you wanna, I'm assuming like if she wants to stay clean of all this or that they're just leaning on her to cooperate uh, and to be to become uh, their their informant and to tell everything, at which she probably should. She's given everything that she's got. So yeah. what is she? What is she going to say? She doesn't and know the, where the he is. And the truth is, though, the truth is, as we find out, she knows things and she doesn't realize it because she has seen Lydia, and this is this is she has not told them about this lady. They haven't debriefed her to the point where she they, she's gotten to that. And that spins us, of course, into uh, the next scene with Skylar where she Yeah, they're actually gets, watching her. Yes. They're actually watching the house. Yes. She's up very late. I'm not sure what time it is, but I'm assuming it's very, very, very late. The is there any hours. kind of time? I don't I think say, there's a I'm clock anywhere. I'm just guessing anywhere. two in the morning, one yeah. in the morning, mm-hmm. something And she's like just that, smoking, yeah. and mm-hmm. she hears the baby, mm-hmm. and she walks down the hall. And, you know, even though the DEA is watching the house, mm-hmm. Todd and his gang of thugs have snuck into through the backyard 
have snuck into the house and right. are going to threaten or basically threatening Skyline. A little advice That's to law enforcement: uh, uh, always watch the back of the house <laughs> as well as the front, not just the front. They only have one. Well, they yes, they only have the one have. car. Yes, there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that I, uh, hopefully the the message sent here is that the cops are smart, but uh, that these guys really are pretty is dangerous. Is it the DEA at this these, point, uh, or has it gone federal, or what would it? Gosh, what would it be? I think it'd be a multi-jurisdictional multi-agency mm, okay. thing at this point it'd be so big i think wow. for sure manpower our, our take was that this was a apd that was watching the house and of course that's why you know jesse plemons and the rest of the gang are wearing scuba diving outfit, outfits because they've been hiding inside the pool <laughs> and, and waiting, waiting to emerge i thought the flippers were the, was a nice the touch. Flippers, it was it was I, you didn't think it made him less scary when no, he walks no, away no, and he no, goes but they're threatening Skyler with, and he, you know, he's, I mean, obviously Jesse, I mean, uh, excuse me, Jesse Plemons, uh, Todd is basically st- wanting to protect his, you know, his, the love of his life, right, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, so, you know, but he, it's funny when, when I cut that scene, uh, Jesse Plemons plays it so, I don't even know the word for it. He's just very calm. Yes. Creepily calm. You know, what would you call it? Yeah, no, I think creepily calm. Creepily he's calm. calm. He's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Be a better word. Todd's a wonderful character because, you know, when, when push comes to shove, he, that's when he seems most alive. But he's also, he's, he just really seems to be in the zone when he shoots a child or he threatens he's a, a lady. He's a sociopath. Thre- yeah. Threatens a lady. Yeah. But he's I, a pleasant sociopath. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not even being funny. He's yeah. a, and, and, and Jesse he's Plemons. He's very likable. He's very likable. I call him Opie Hitler. I don't know one of these yes. uh, podcasts. <laughs> he, he, uh, he, Jesse Plemons understands him very well. I don't mean mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons is anything like him. He's a wonderful, warm, non-sociopathic human being. <laughs> but he, he underplays him beautifully because I would think as an actor, I'm not an act. If I if I were an actor, I'd be a bad one. And I and in a scene like this, if I were playing this part, I'd I'd mustache twirl. I'd I'd. Uh, I I try to make the guy scary, and mm-hmm. that would be a mistake. And Jesse Plemons understands that this guy will be scarier by being matter of fact and not trying at all to far be scary. More. Mm-hmm. Far more, far yeah. more scary. When he yeah. smiles, it's actually sometimes it's the most unsettling thing you could possibly yeah. imagine. Yes. But it's such an a surprising choice, and he, I love watching. He Jesse did something earlier, early in the episode when when uh, when Aaron uh, when Jesse's talking about what you know what a I forget what he. I forget exactly. He, he talks about him shooting the kid, and Jesse uh, Jesse Plemons gives Todd a little smile because because Todd, uh, because Jesse's talking about him, and it's just it's just it's just it's, he likes Jesse, and it's just I, I just love that. I thought that was just a wonderful it was moment. Brilliant. It was yeah. brilliant. It's like he should be angry. You'd expect him to be angry at Jesse. He's like, oh, that Jesse. That Jesse. That, that train robbery. Good yeah. times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when, he, when he says yes. they have a history in five fourteen. It is like I'm like I don't I'm not sure what he means by yes. that. I'm like is that like a warmth and, well, and even, or is that yeah, actually yeah. even when he's that? walking him to the soup the new super lab mm-hmm. in 514 and he's very caring with him and yeah. he's 
you know, putting his arm around him. He's leading him. It's like, like here oh, we go. Weirdo. Okay, whatever. I'm going to help you out there. Um, Treats him like a pet. Which, yeah. yeah. Yes. Which leads us to Todd Todd meeting Lydia at the, at the coffee shop. And one of the things that you wrote, I believe in your screen direction on that one, Peter, is Todd's going, if Lydia likes tea, then Todd's going to buy God life tea. Like, that's not what you wrote, but kind of what yeah. you wrote. Yeah. Is he's going to try and like tea as yeah. well. I don't know. I hope it comes across in the show, but that was definitely the idea where Todd was going to try and drink this tea. I yeah. think it does. Does it? Okay, yeah. good. It does to me. Anyway. Good. Yeah. And, and Todd, is, Todd is a little sly in the scene, you know, because he knows, he knows the way to Lydia's heart, which is through tea. really, tea. really, really good meth. Tea <laughs> and really, really good but meth. But the thing, too, is that, you know, Todd really, he's like all happy to see her when she shows up. Mm-hmm. And then she does the whole thing where, you know, that you guys did in the episode where she met Mike for the first time, or yes. we met the yeah. two of them for the first time and and she goes to the other seat and Je- and uh todd try- starts to get up and she's like no you know we'll talk this way so they're back the to they're back way. to back for the mike wouldn't go along with it but uh you know but of course todd's, todd's right. t- whatever whatever lydia wants todd todd's right there and todd you know talks about like you know i didn't really need to do anything to skylar because she's such a nice lady and she's just looking out for her kids mm-hmm. you know i mean i guess a guy sort of has a heart right that's the sociopathic, that's yeah. sociopathic uh, tendency. Well, is well that's, that is the thing, isn't it? The, 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 the sociopathy is interesting. I was reading a book about it one time. It's No one's really sure how many sociopaths are out there, but these are people who don't understand other people's. They can't empathize with other human beings. It doesn't mean they're all murderers or anything. There could be the sociopath who really wants to do nothing more than watch TV and eat Cheetos. Or perhaps be uh, run a country. Well, but Congress. but then the scary sociopaths, yeah, really, the scary sociopaths is the ones ones who get off on you know torture and murdering people. people. Yeah. Those are the those are the those are the Hannibal Lecters of the world. But I mean, there's plenty of them out there who don't necessarily uh, have any interest in killing people. They just they can't feel empathy for other people. But yeah, the Todd seems like he has his hopes and dreams and desires and and things that mm-hmm. that get him off, get him excited. But but he can't really. He's got that that chip missing, you know, as far as, you know, feeling other people's pain. Well, the thing, too, that this scene does is it, you know, it really lets Lydia know that he has Jesse Pinkman. Mm-hmm. And that now that the, the meth is, I don't remember the exact number. It's been a few weeks since we worked on the, the show, but mm-hmm. it was somewhere around 90-something. That the purity level yeah, got up to. Yeah, the purity level yes. is yeah, very high yes. now. And automatically Lydia, because she's ready to just, you know, wipe her hands of the guy. She's like, look, my buyers won't, you know, accept this. And, you know, and, and now he's like, well, I've got the purity up. And she's like, ding. You know, where mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, really? Yeah, he played her very well there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, he says that they have something better. They have Jesse Pinkman. He also says something interesting where he says, you know, she's worried about Walt. You know, Walt is, is you know, he might not, he might not, they don't know where he is and he might rear his head again. Mm-hmm. And and Jesse, uh, Todd basically says, well, he's really smart. They're never going to find him. So it shows what you guys have talked about in other podcasts of how he really respects Walt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, no, that guy, he's, he's very smart. Um, which, you know, that's the, the, the halfway through, that's the end of the act right there. And then we jump to uh, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. You know, we've been waiting to get to New Hampshire since the, the start of the fifth season. That's right. Where we saw the, um, 
the license plate, Live Free or Die. And I guess that can explain your title of the show, that New Hampshire is the granite state. There's, there's so many meanings to that title. That's, that's, <laughs> the title means so many things. I wouldn't even want to, I, w- I don't want to, I don't want to go there. It's just, but the, the audience it does, can really. It? Being in a stone-like state? Yes. A granite so, state? Oh, it's deep. We, we can't reveal all the layers of the depth. Well, what's funny I is. I don't even know them all. That's how that's deep I got to say that when, when I was reading the script, I was it was funny because I understand probably for, uh, you know, monetary reasons maybe or time that you could not or. Yeah, I want you to talk about uh, what the the shot that did not make it into the into production, which was Walt traveling oh. to New Hampshire. Yes, in the, as scripted, I was very excited about this. Uh, you know, Walt travels to New Hampshire in a, in, the, in an LP tank, and as originally scripted, we saw part liquid of his journey. Propane? Liquid protein. Liquid protein. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So and, it's a round uh, drum. It's a round drum light. Well, people have fortunately seen the episode, so they they know what yeah. they know what the truck looks like. We were going to have a whole journey inside the truck and see him see him dealing with his nausea. And, and uh, I loved how the money, light. the big, the big barrel of money, yes. was in there with him. As it was, well. it was great, and we, you know, we had a set plan for it, uh, but it ended, that ended up being the, one of the things that was sacrificed. But having said that. Since we're already dealing with an episode that's kind of long, yeah. I think it might have been it so might have been cut. You did get that. You did get that shot of him yes. inside the tank. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that was, was. You should talk about that. That was, the, that was a practical yeah. thing. That, that was the thrill to me because I found when, what we found was when the art department had finished the real tank. Instead of having, we were going to build a whole set that was going to rock. I, we looked inside and said, "Holy shit, we've got we've got the inside of, a, of an LP tank." So at least I can have him. Hopefully, it ends up in the show. So Brian, have him exit. About crawling into that tank. Yes, I mean, you've done so many great things as an actor, <laughs> physical things, but that's got to be like. And my my assistant Chris and I, when we were looking at the dailies, we're like, wouldn't he have been freezing? in there there's like no padding no blanket no nothing well you don't see you don't see the yeah. whole setup in there you just see a little slice <laughs> I had of a tv and i had a little <laughs> massage bed <laughs> um no as a, it, it's it's not for someone who is claustrophobic but uh actually the back part of it was wide open as where where you can put a camera man and uh and shoot toward the cylinder um, there was a hatch, and uh, there was actually it was everybody's. Are you okay in there? You all right? And there was actually a pad and blankets, and oh, I was okay. laying down in the dark, and I would just shut my eyes and wait for everybody. <laughs> it's like being in an MRI okay, we're rolling, machine. rolling. Okay, we're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> time to do it. And uh, and I would just you know I'd hear Robert bang on the on the outside of the truck, and I'd pull a lever, and the whole thing would shut down and fall down, and I'd jump out of the tank. It was. And you, you want to talk about the location where you guys had to go? I mean, you had to find snow, and New that Hampshire. was tough, it was right? New, it was New Hampshire. It was amazing yeah, budget. Right, you did. Sure the you flights did. to New Hampshire. I like flying in a private jet. Yeah, it was it's, nice. It's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was really nice. And then it was amazing when we got there, and there was no snow, so we created all that's, that snow. That's right. It was good. <laughs> this was, uh, in fact, this was the uh, Sandia Mountains. Uh, it was. And it was. It, it was it 40 was, minutes from our stage. We and had it was, it was in minutes. March at that point. 40 minutes straight up. Yeah. So for the trucks for for if you were in a in a van by yourself and there was no traffic it was 40 minutes but it was it was quite a journey up there was high altitude we mm-hmm. were concerned about 10,500 feet at the top mm-hmm. yes. yeah we were we were concerned about altitude sickness mostly we were concerned about uh the snow melting yeah 
Oh, which because it did. by then it was which yeah, it which it did. did. Yes. Well, there were some where you guys had really nice deep snow, and then I think at one point in during production, but it when we scouted, to melt. when we scouted, oh. we were in really, really, really deep, deep, deep snow. It was awesome. And then the uh, warm weather came, and, and uh, two weeks later when we went to shoot, we still had a lot of snow, yeah. but we had to augment with And we shot in two big... different places, one of which had mm-hmm. a lot more snow than the other. Mm-hmm. So, And we picked the place uh, at a higher altitude that had more snow for that reason, because that, that's where we played the Which gate. was that? Oh, that was the gate part. Okay. Now, did you guys have to build the cabin? I mean, obviously the inside, but the outside, did you build? This episode was production design heavy this is more <laughs> sets i think for this one episode than any other and we built the outside of the cabin and the inside which it kind of fulfilled like a long-standing dream of mine i always wanted to shoot on you know a fake exterior i had always in the back of my mind i was always wondering if we were going to build the outside of the white house somewhere and uh, it was really it, it was you know it's what you always dream about but you know obviously you know would like to like to build something really huge and this was this was the chance to build an actual set just find the right spot put the spikes down and uh, and b- put the set up there and it, they they did an incredible job that involved and they also had to build the set up there without disturbing very much of the snow, snow. Mm-hmm. so the construct W Galpin and the whole the whole art department just did an incredible job a- on access this episode. Was not easy to yeah. to that set, and and they had to they had to take it up in pieces and of course construct it on location. Yeah, yeah. Mark and, Freeborn and his folks did a great job yes. designing and building, and, and W Galpin built it, and, it and his guys and and then and then uh, uh, Werner, our, our special effects coordinator, those guys um, brought in Snowbiz, which is a, a, a snow company from Los Angeles, and. Uh, with them and their guys. Um, Snowbiz, that's right. Their entire to, company is... Because you yeah. guys had to do the outside of the cabin, the outside of the gate, where Walt mm-hmm. you know, decides that the gate, and they've got, like I think, three scenes yeah. uh, where Walt is outside that gate, and then you also had to do outside the bar at the end. Well, correct? that was not the same. That was a different day. A different day, that but you still had to do snow. But we, we had to do... That, the outside of the bar was the easy one because that was all fake snow. And in fact, the, well, there's a funny story about the outside of the bar, which is that uh, we were outside the bar, and uh, the the uh, our police tech advisor comes up to me. He says, "So, uh, what are you going to do about the cactus?" <laughs> I said, "What? What cactus?" The tech and, advisor said this. The tech advisor, and all of us, we had been to this location five or six times. The art department had been there. I had been there. I'd been there on the weekend with my clipboard and my camera, planning out the shots, and I never saw this friggin' cactus. Uh, so wow. we just we just we we sprayed the thing with snow, <laughs> and so there probably if you if you look real closely and do some uh, pixel peeping and freeze framing. This is when the police pull up. When the police pull up, you might be able to see a cactus nestled there in front of the bar. <laughs> it's a wily e. coyote kind of cactus. Uh, good, so, good tech, good, good extra uh, service from the police tech. Advisor. Absolutely, yes. and the um, value added. The yes. other thing about the snow, the, that whole everything outside the cabin and the gate, that was in a lot of ways my most challenging day because it was we had a short day because of the the way the position of the sets. We only got to shoot to like four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Plus, Brian had his makeup. Which, when you watch uh, the show, you don't even think about the fact that w- the flash forward Brian has makeup, and it was prosthetic you know, makeup. Prosthetic makeup. And, 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 and so we two had two and a half sh- hours. It, two and a half to three hours. It yeah. was. It was. Uh, it was a, a real logistical 
uh, a real logistical challenge. And uh, the crew and everybody really rose to it. And one of the things, Michael Slovis just said, no lights. I'm not going to light. I'm not going to bring a single piece of electric up to up to either of these locations. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, I, I was I had the gift of having the cast because these guys were so on top of every moment that it meant that the shoot went very, very quickly. But yeah. even then, it was that was that was a real ch- for me personally. Yeah. That was it was one of the, it was fun, though. I had such a wonderful time because uh, the, it was it was it was such a great location and I love the scenes uh, having <laughs> I thought the writer did a wonderful job <laughs> uh, the uh, I just I really I really enjoy I really enjoyed that that particular day uh, especially well we jump inside the cabin for the first time when the disappearer is introducing Walt to his cabin yes and it's like I mean I even said this to you I think Peter to you when we were talking, when we were working together, that, geez, Walt has all this money. Don't you think he could have something else? Can you give him a puppy or something? Or or maybe, you know, can he have, a, like, a, a nice bathroom? I mean, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, but one thing that you mentioned to me was it was really important for Walt, you know, to be, like, at rock, to hit rock bottom at mm-hmm. this point. So having this sparse cabin, you know, I think you were saying added to that whole situation i mean um also can you guys also talk about you know when you were breaking did this did the whole thing in this episode where walt gets to the bottom in this cabin was that was that always the idea that you were or i mean you know because obviously you guys have said before that you gave him that gun and the and the car from the from New Hampshire and you had no idea. So yeah, this had, was a way, I mean, when you guys are in the writer's room and you put all those cards up on the wall that says, okay, in this episode, this is gonna happen. You knew you were gonna work your way back to New Hampshire, but you just didn't know how or? We, yeah, I, we hoped that we were gonna go to New Hampshire. We figured it had to end up, honestly, when we, we knew so little, <laughs> but I shouldn't say we knew absolutely nothing. I mean, we, we, we figured that the New Hampshire thing in 501 must relate to the, dis- the disappearer concept that we had set up in an earlier season, season mm-hmm. four, I guess. So we, we, we figured Walt had gone off and created a new identity for himself, and we thusly figured that things had gotten really, really bad by the end of uh, these final few episodes. Why did you pick New Hampshire? Trying to remember back at five hundred one, I think I think uh, live free or die seemed mm-hmm. like a great. I mean, it's the, the state motto of the right. state. Live the license free. License plates say live free or die. Yeah, and it's very far away from Albuquerque. It right. looks very different. And at that time, I did kind of harbor secret uh, hopes and dreams that we'd actually get to shoot in the real state. Although you did know that that we had New Hampshire looking areas in mm-hmm. in uh, right right near us, which was of course. Yeah. important That's and, and looked point. very different too. although in a perfect world we would have done a little bit of seaside something or other yeah. and seen the ocean which is something mm-hmm. you do not see ever on, on breaking bad because we're 800 miles inland well, so. we've never seen we've never seen snow before i remember back That's in true. season two we were actually looking at locations saying you know wouldn't it be great for uh tuco's cabin to be up in the hills yeah. and to have snow and I'm so glad we didn't do that because we, we were able to save. And I have a feeling a lot of our viewers don't know that it snows in uh, New Mexico. They have no idea that it gets cold. Yes. We talked on previous podcasts about how, like, you guys were shooting in the middle of winter and you guys are talking about the coldest day this time, the coldest day that time. But yet when you see the episodes, these are episodes that I didn't cut. So I'm looking at the episode knowing that it was freezing cold, but it looks like it's 100 degrees out there. 
you know, one of the episodes Brian That's we were talking acting. about was yeah, when, really you were, when you were uh, burying the money in uh, 510. 510, yeah. Uh, it like, looks like it's really hot. And I, during yeah. the day, and then the camera got freezing. That really was one of the coldest. It looks hot. Yeah. Um, it's it's a combination, mostly great acting. And also uh, the uh, I think the uh, tobacco or or, or, or uh, the, the whatever filtration uh, filters uh, Michael Slovis puts on the lens to make it look a little yellowish, a little right. warm. And then also, we're lucky for the most part. It's so I think I'm getting this right. It's so dry in, in New Mexico that you don't see vapors coming out of people's mouths. You, you every now and then oh, you'll well, you'll catch yeah. it on the show, but for the most yeah. part. Uh, you don't see it as much, I think, because of the, the altitude. Or the only the way we know is or something. In the, when when one when one of the directors yells "cuts" and then cut, and then you see these the actors go and put these gigantic coats on and start yeah. shivering. But during the scene, to all of your credit, you're not shivering. You're not, you know. Those we know it's, it's freezing cold out there, and you guys are like playing it like it's you know it's a hundred degrees. It's great. Being outside the White House and wearing wearing uh, headphones and hearing Anna Anna on her mic going getting ready to to walk out the white house and saying okay i'm warm i'm warm i'm so warm it's warm out there i'm warm i'm warm and then she then she walks out and does the scene and she damn it she's warm also i now i realize it on top of that sometimes when we don't want to see your breath you guys make sure you drink uh was it hot Hot coffee, or is it, or is it the opposite? The opposite. If you yeah, want to so see cold. the breath, you you drink that's something right. hot. That's so right. That, uh, yeah, because at one point, I think right. in five oh nine, there yeah, yeah. was uh, a scene, the scene in the garage in five oh nine with right. you and Dean, and I think he was eating ice, and then he would, you know, take it out, and then you guys would do the yeah, scene. Yeah, it was which, so cold that we were. Which just makes you colder. Yeah. 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 Way, yeah, yeah, you're putting ice in your mouth, so it sort of mitigates the. And these actors, they're tough. They're tough. It's a tough. Bunch. Well, Brian, can you talk a little bit about um, about this rock bottom business? I mean, you you had to kind of like, I mean, some months have passed, and you know, Walt is in a different state. I mean, he's physically in a different state, but he's also in a different mental state because when you first get to the cabin, you know, you get to see around. You know, uh, uh, Ed is introducing you to all the things you have and all the things you really don't have no internet no phone and all of that but when he leaves you just kind of like grab your heisenberg hat and grab your boots and you're going to trek into town anyway yeah walt is not one to just heed advice he didn't do it with saul he doesn't do it with <laughs> jesse he, he marches to his own drumbeat and so when he realizes that uh, this this cabin doesn't uh, facilitate what he needs he's going to make his own you know, needs met. So um, he. What was interesting to me about about the the transition is that he's got. He still has an agenda. He knows he's his demise is is imminent, and uh, he's got a plan that he's got to f- see th- through. Um, and uh, he also realizes that uh, Ed is is not going to help him in that regard. That he knows that he's putting his his freedom on the line as well if he's caught doing this, so he's going to go out and do this. What what Walt didn't realize is the is is a very human experience, and that is loneliness. When he's trapped for months and months at a time, and it's only you, even a man who who can occupy his mind with different projects and different ideas and concepts, and he can design out and things like that. It gets down to it that we are, are social beings and we need that interaction. So in that scene when I 
pay him $10,000 to be my friend uh, for, for an hour. For an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, cards, fine, whatever, you know, it's like, uh, let's play cards. And, and what I really want to know is, is he going to follow through for me? As I feel myself mm-hmm. starting to decline sooner th- rather than later, is he going to take that barrel of money and give it to my family? And wonderfully put and brilliantly acted is that he said, if I told you I would, would you believe me? Yeah, you know I got to tell you, I'm glad you brought that up because I had that discussion with you, Peter. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had that discussion with my assistant, Chris, plenty of times when we're like, you know, and we, our opinions differ because I feel like, no, I mean, even with you and I, Peter, mm-hmm. our opinions mm-hmm. differ. I mean, I obviously have to give it up to you. You wrote it. But I just felt like, um, I, 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 no, you know what? We talked about this and I think it was like, does Walt believe him? Does Walt believe that he actually would, or does Walt not want to even think it through it further? Mm-hmm. Because at that point, we asks him. Um, he's, you know, just like you said, uh, Brian. He says, you know, well, would you believe me if I said yes? And he doesn't reply mm-hmm. at all. I got my answer. You know, though, and then he me. says to him, oh, yeah. "Do you want to cut the cards?" And he's like, "No." You know, and it was just, I, I remember okay. when I was working well, with we you did asking. It a number of different ways. Well, that was, was, was one, this is one of the wonderful things about, I, I, I just had so much fun with this scene because one of the great things that, that, that I've learned about directing is when to say cut. And, uh, and when not to. And when not to say cut. <laughs> because the, the scene, as scripted, ends with, uh, do you want to cut the cards? Um, and that was just to keep the card playing it was that was the out of the scene and and these guys i kind of was lazy with saying cut for once which was which was and these guys kept going with the scene and uh you gave me brian and any number of variations one where you'd say no and it sounded it sounded pained there's there's just there were there were a number of variations and then uh robert the use is very definitive yes no. And then Robert, Robert, uh, Robert starts dealing and calling out what the cards are. The cards to me is amazing, and I, I wish I. Let's had see if survives survives the uh, the shortened yeah uh, the yeah because the, the cards to me are amazing because he's like at the end he's like one king two kings yes and it's it's to me it's <laughs> yes. just I asked Peter if that was you know if they if you wanted to do that and you said that was ad libbed by Robert Forrester. that was and then we kept we but once he did it once let's do let's keep doing that just so it was, happened it, that he flipped a king. <laughs> but anyway, it was really, really interesting how you guys played the cards and, I mean, you know, played the cards in the scene. Right. And especially when Walt is, you know, sitting there and he's in a very compromised position. I mean, he, he even says, oh, I'll deal because you're, I can't remember the Encumbered. word he used. Yeah. And, and he's in a, a compromised position getting the chemo and he's so lonely and he just wants him to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, Robert Forster could take all that money and just be gone. He doesn't have to. I even brought that up with you when he, I was working with you. Could, I said, he doesn't even have to come back. He could put a pillow on Walt's, Waltz, over no, Walt's face. Exactly. You know, what I love about the character to. is that he's honorable. In yeah. His yeah. Own he is. Right. He, he, he is. He yeah. does what he says and he gets paid. He, yeah. he, he sets an amount. That's what the, the, the bill is. Mm-hmm. And he follows through with it. Yeah. He's not. 
you know, is honor among thieves in mm-hmm. that sense. Yeah. For once. He's not going to rob the guy. He's no, not going to no. kill him. He's, that's not what his Although, thing is. But, but in all of that, does that mean that what? he will take that money? Oh, no, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. He's going to take the money, but that's not robbery to me. That is, that is, this is, this is my cabin that I agree No, with. I didn't mean that. I meant, does that mean that he, he's set up to be very honorable? Does that mean that, yes, he will then take that money yes. after Walt dies and give it to Skylar? No, 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 no. That's, I don't think that's, that's not dishonorable. The, that's not the yeah. deal. He's the disappearer, no. not the money giver. Yeah. And because also, the, as Saul said in the in Act One, there's a lot of problems. And this was something oh, yeah. that we struggled with in the writer's room. We struggled. How is Walt? I, I, this was driving me crazy. How is Walt going to get this money to his kids? Because that's really what has he so, got left? Again, it's so the, the only thing he's got left. The, yeah. the advice is correct that if if Walt went to that extra mile to try to distribute that money to his family, yeah, just take it. That's the the element. That's the time he would yeah. get caught. Yes. Oh, yeah. Plus. Skyler's not going to take that money. Oh, yeah. Skyler's not going to take that money. Never. And in fact, as we find out later, Walt Jr.'s not going to take the money either. Yeah. It's and an impossibility. Is, and this is where I, yeah. I want to mention Kevin. Uh, because. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Kevin uh, Cordasco. Kevin Cordasco. We, we mentioned, uh, if, uh, if you're listening way back when on the podcast for uh, 509, uh, yeah. we mentioned uh, that. It was like years ago. It was years yeah. ago. <laughs> Actually, we recorded about an hour ago. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, now it can be told. Um, uh, I mentioned in that one that, that, uh, that Kevin, who was a, our wonderful number one fan, uh, I asked him, you know, he told me uh, that, that that first day I spent uh, with him, he, he uh, visiting him, he, he said, uh, he told me what he liked about the show. And, and, and I said, is there something you feel is missing from the show, which I handed out on that last podcast? He said, you know what, I want to know more about Gretchen and Elliot. I want to know more about Walt's backstory with them. I want to know, you know, what uh, what happened. What to them happened? And... What happened? Yeah. And I can't I can't promise you you will ever get the your complete knowledge of that situation to your total satisfaction. But the very fact that Kevin mentioned Gretchen and Elliot um, led us, the writers and I, to to reintroduce them, reincorporate them into the story. And as you can see here in the in the in the final scene of of Granite State, um. <laughs> we actually did. We did get a, we get a little glimpse of them. Works as a catalyst. Yes, she, they do something to Walt's. Walt's Walt seems to change his mind there because he's he's all ready to get caught, and then he sees the video. Wait, and he sees them on television. Before Wait, you go, am I jumping ahead too far? Yeah, I just want right. to make sure that because you know, Walt, you know, uh, after uh, uh, Ed leaves mm-hmm. from giving Walt chemo. Um, we see that Walt has been, we, we saw him looking at newspapers and we see yes. that there's all these newspapers and clippings he wants. And, and the, uh, Ed has brought him news about what's going on with Skyler. They're on food stamps. Yes. They're living someplace else now. Each is like a dagger. Each, yes. each yeah. bit of news is like a dagger to Walt. And, and, and at that point, remember, Peter, obviously, mm-hmm. you remember, you directed it. Walt still glimpses at that big barrel of money. It's like the big elephant in the room. He's got all this cash. Yes. and Yet his wife, you know, I mean, the thing that I wanted to mention, or the thing that I wanted to lead up to is, is at that point, I think Walt has decided that he must do something. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and realizes that he can take the bottle of insure, I mean, the box of insurer mm-hmm. bottles and pack the money in there. Maybe it can pack get a little the bit US of the mail. money, a little bit of the money. Yeah. He's, he's going to settle for some little 
that his his because it's, his scope has gotten so small in the beginning of the episode. He's I, this my family is going to get this money, and I'm going to kill all my enemies, and that's the the end mm-hmm. of it. And then at this point in the episode, he's he's ready to just dagger down and 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 send as a little bit an insure box. But full it of takes money. a lot for him because how long has he been up there at that point? Yeah. One percent of that eleven million. That's yeah, basically right. what it comes down to. It's the best, he can, how, it's best something, he can do. It's something. How much? How long has he been up there, Peter? He's, at this point, he's been up there. I think four or five months. Yeah, the better part of half a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so he. Our finally, biggest jump time-wise, I think we've ever made. This is his third time going out to this gate at this point, mm-hmm. and he finally steps across, you know, the invisible line and makes his way down into town. Yeah. Uh, and he gets uh, he gets to town. And um, uh, he goes into a bar and he asks, well, oh, and then we just jump back to school. We jump back to a classroom. Yes. And Walter Jr. is, is he taking a chemistry test? He's taking a test, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, a chemistry test. <laughs> Good catch. <laughs> it's a test, that's for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you something. I'm trying to add time to this. But we've skipped over a very big question. Why does Walt not go down there? We kind of skipped over that moment where he says, about- where he says tomorrow. Well, well I was gonna, we talked a little yeah, bit about that, that, but yeah. Why do you think uh, he doesn't go down there in the first place? And he finally well, does. Well, to later. me, he's a, you know, he's a very thoughtful person, a methodical person. So he acts on impulse when Ed tells him, you, you can't leave. If you leave, I'm out of the picture, and mm-hmm. I won't come back. And this, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and I open the door for him. Yeah. I'm done with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's Heisenberg. So. so I have my, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down and get what I need and get in contact. And then as I get to the gate... Um, I realize I don't have all the answers and I don't quite have all the power either yeah. mm-hmm. right now. And something's prohibiting me from yeah. taking that step. It's, it's a little more dangerous than I thought. Yeah. And the, there, some of it's pragmatic. If I step out and do get caught, then my family doesn't get that money. Right. Mm-hmm. I have to think this through. Yeah. Okay, tomorrow. I'll, I'll, let, me, let me put my mind on this be dispassionate about it non-emotional yeah and really think about my approach and Ooh. and then it just it that just that gate uh, you know appears as like a finish line that yeah. he just can't quite yeah. cross what's fun I like too that. I is to, oh sorry. go ahead snow no. well, i'm sorry i just i to add to that i just what i love about this episode is i think it's all that and i think i think those are all good reasons. I think it's ultimately, for me, it's ultimately fear, which Walt, yeah. for the by and large, has not felt much of since he got his cancer diagnosis. We've got a wonderful episode, I think you wrote, as a matter of fact, way back when, when Hank was, uh, Walt was giving Hank good advice mm-hmm. about, uh, got to go into work, you got to kick that fear in the teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, since I got my diagnosis, you know, it used to be I couldn't sleep at night. I'd say, what if, would have, should have, mm-hmm. could have, and now I sleep just fine. Mm-hmm. I think Walt has, the fear has come back, which is a, a very, it's a tough thing for him to deal with. It's been so long he's lived without it. He's had moments of, of, of existential, bracing existential terror, as he says, someone's had a gun to his yeah. face or something. But by and large, he hasn't let it stop He's him. overcome those yeah. moments, yeah. This is the first time in, maybe since the pilot, since even before the pilot, stuff we never saw, where he let fear stop him from doing things. The thing that finally propels him out of that gate is he's aware enough to realize his diminished state that it's coming. Yeah. My my end is coming, and if I, I need to do something, I need to do it now. Yeah. 
yeah. the ring falls off my I'm losing weight yeah. and just the prosthetics that can be uh, our special effects makeup people did with just fantastic yeah. uh, to make me look skinnier hollower they did they did a negative by adding a positive so they added cheekbones and uh, and around my eye sockets and that sort of thing to make it look as if my my I'm you know fallow and and your eyes are sunken into your sunken head. In, and, yeah. and that, uh, great, wonderful, great makeup. Wonderful prosthetics. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. We get to the bar. But you know we skipped over the big... Uh, oh, You haven't Jesse. mentioned the big scene with Jesse. Jesse, yes. Uh. Well, Aaron's not Aaron's <laughs> not here, so we're not talking Jesse. Well, I don't think we need to go through every detail of it, but we have a big scene with with uh, where where the where Uncle Jack and and I Todd sure did skip over that. Didn't yeah, you that's did. okay, and we can we, <laughs> we don't have to talk it through. In, I think in, I helped you in skip minute it. detail. It's just it is that moment when Uncle Jack and Todd teach Jesse a lesson, as it were, about yeah. do not do not escape. I mean, we're, not we're hoping that, that we get. We're hoping. That Jesse can get out of this. I mean, it's it's oh, God, tough yeah. because, but it's interesting because he, you know, we see that we we get that he can break out of these handcuffs, but we we still have huge hurdles to get over. And you know, he works his way. It's incredibly shot sequence that you did several different ways, Peter. You had to be down in the pit, which is yeah. one set yes then up above which is a whole nother location yes. and you know all of that had to be tied together and um and he finally does get out um and then you just ruin it for us because he doesn't get out no. poor thing it gets he gets caught at the fence mm-hmm. poor andrew and poor brock yeah, yeah that's the thing and yeah, then those, and then you know what was they interesting, have to teach him a lesson yeah. what was interesting too do you want to talk about how we adjusted the cut at that point from the way that it was originally scripted yeah, yeah. There was as originally scripted. They pull the uh, the hood off of Jesse, and he well, sees. Well, they put a hood on. They him, put a hood. So. Yes, they have. <laughs> they have a hood. They have a hood on him. Oh, that's right. We never have a hood now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a hood on Jesse, and they pull it off. And then there's a little bit of conversation well, where Uncle in, Jack in says, "Uncle Jack's car." Uncle Jack's car. In Uncle Jack's car. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Uncle Jack's car. And Uncle, there's a little bit, a little moment where Uncle Jack says, "To this is this is on you. What happens next is on you, Jesse." And uh, he sends Todd out to uh, to do what he's got to do. And what happened really um, was that Aaron, in character, realized where he was and realized what was happening. And he immediately needed to get away. Was protesting. Was you know, and he he had he was gagged. He was immediately pro. His emotions. Immediately he's went kicking from he's kicking he's, he's fighting he from and... zero to ten and this this you know this is this is and so what we ended up doing was because we didn't want him to go zero to ten for the we didn't want the him the audience to make the same jump that he does uh, and so we reserved seeing him in, in the cut and this was this was your your idea uh, we reserved seeing Jesse so we start with Todd walking to the house. And we and sort of know on, where it is. We sort yes. of don't. We don't. And all of a sudden, when she opens the door, we know. Yes. It yeah. was fun because. But we don't know where Jesse is in yeah, the scene. This was a tough one for me because I had obviously cut it the way that it was scripted. Yes. But I had another idea, um, and I thought I'd present it to it's you. A and great I, idea. You know, you were yeah. a writer, so I'm like, he's not going to like this. But <sighs> I have an idea, um, and I just didn't show that part of the. You know, we yeah. jump from where Jesse says. You know, I'm never going to cook. I'm going to curse right now, but he says, uh, I'm never going to f- cook for you crazy fucks again or whatever mm-hmm. he says yeah. to them. 
And then we jump to Todd walking in the street. Exactly. We have no idea. And originally, it was supposed to be uh, Jesse gets punched in the stomach, and then he, you know, we're we're inside of the of Jack's car, and Jack says to him. You know, you uh, you brought this on yourself, and we Thank have no you. idea where they are. I really appreciate your describing that. The Sorry. more clarity, that's good. no, it's. <laughs> I like the way it is now yes. because he's uh, all of a sudden. You know, what happened to Jesse? They they grabbed him at the fence. Well, they, they actually, the way you know, they're, they caught him at the fence, mm-hmm. and now Todd is all by himself and he's knocking on a door. What yeah, is but it? the what fun the hell thing happened? is, what do we yeah. miss? And all of a yeah. sudden, it's Andrea, and we're like, oh god. Well, no. the fun thing is too on mm-hmm. that, and and. I'm just so thankful to Peter by, for letting me present it this way and not, you know, having a total bias to it from the get-go was, I mean, against it from the get-go was that he he was walking towards this house, but we never get him to the door. And then we go from inside the door and we open the door oh, onto right. him. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And yes. so we don't still know where he is. Yeah, he's like, hi. And he's got that weird, you know, thing that we talked about before where he's so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, Hi. You're Andrea, right? And then you know that that's where he's at. Yeah. And he's, you know, and he's like, uh, so, Andrea, uh, I'm Todd, by the way, Jesse's friend, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's out there in the car. He's out and there then if she, you look. Yeah. She comes out onto the porch, and he's kind of looking around the house saying, is your son at home right now? And then, you know, you've got this foreboding, is that the right word, sense, you know, as an audience. You're like, what's going to happen? Oh, this ain't going to be good. And then yeah. he shoots her. And then we jump to the car where we see that they've been making Jesse watch this. And Aaron's freak out in mm-hmm. that moment was, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't there. All I've seen it on is, is on film, is on the Avid so far. And it is absolutely painful uh, painful and terrifying he yeah. f- he flips the fuck yeah, out. yeah. you know as you would so, expect he so would it's so evil and he... for them because you know at first you think well okay fine they've sent todd over here to do this right yeah but you don't know that they have jesse in the car forced to watch forced yeah. to watch right. this yeah. well that's it's great it's a great example of again the collaboration yeah. is that you guys conceive this idea Aaron's sensibility and intuition saying he, he would know exactly. He's not watching this going, well, I wonder what they're going to do here. Yeah. Right. Your instinct then to say, I need to support what's going on here as well, yeah. pitching a different idea, and it works out. Well, it's, it's really, it's, it's part, of, part of it is recognizing what's actually happening as opposed to what you think is going to happen. And and that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's 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 mm. when you really have to uh, think on your feet. And I, I'm no, I, I'm very happy the way it, the yeah, way it works. Right. And we also, I'm really proud of the fact that when Aaron's knocking his head against the window, oh. it looks like he opens up. I a thought cut. it was real. He, it looks Chris like he opens up a cut. And what we did was we put a little sponge with some blood on it for him to for him to hit himself against on the on the header of the car. And uh, well, we, he, he also put some protection in there too, yes. so that Aaron could go crazy and he wasn't going to hurt himself, break the window himself. or something. Yeah. We totally were we were concerned about that, so the special yeah. effects guys protected. Yeah. Hey everybody, this is Kelly. Uh, this is the moment where I awkwardly break into the regular podcast to bring you Aaron Paul's thoughts on this uh, this episode. Um, for those of you who haven't been listening, uh, I went over to Aaron Paul's house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to get his thoughts on the episodes because he was busy filming Need for Speed while we were recording originally. So uh, these are Aaron Paul's thoughts on episode 515. And then uh, it will go right back to the regular podcast. Thanks. In episode uh, 515, Mm. Jesse is held captive and he's in the pit 
And how was the stunt work um, when you had to do, like you were on the wire and everything yeah. like that? Did a great job. Thank you. Um, you know, I got <laughs> Was it fun? It was, it was actually, uh, no, not fun at all. Um, that, <laughs> I was begging and pleading not to wear this harness, which is the most uncomfortable harness that is like as tight against your crotch <laughs> as possible. Like your, your, your balls are just crushed into one single ball and you're like, what is happening? I'm not going to be able to have children. This is terrible. Um, but you know, it, it was actually kind of exhausting jumping up, trying to, you know, when you're holding onto the bars, it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty exhausting, but I, I did, I gotta be honest. I did feel like a badass. I was in pain, but, uh, it, it uh, I did feel great. And then um, seeing Andrea killed. Oh God, that was the um, that was that, and uh, waking up to Jane uh, dead next to Jesse. That scene when Jesse wakes up next to Jane, and he's just trying to that was that was hands down the hardest uh, scene I, I've ever had to do in my career. But um, this watching um, Andrea get shot was um, was. Just, I mean, it's tied with that. It was just so awful. Can and I ask you how you prepare for something like that? I can't really, because uh, how I do how I do it is I don't try and um, think about things that I've gone through personally. I just live the moment. Like, I, I see what's happening. So Jesse cares for Andrea, you know. Um, and so seeing that happen, like, of course, you know, someone that you just care for and you want to, protect and that's what his that's what his thing is I, I don't know if it was necessarily uh, a romantic relationship anymore I just mm -hmm. think he finally he, you know his parents bailed on him a long time ago he didn't really have anyone to uh, uh, protect him and care for him and so that's why I think he was constantly in search of some sort of guidance maybe a fatherly figure yeah. and now you know, we all know he has this fondness for children, mm -hmm. and he is taking care of these, these, right. these, the, this young mother and son, and so just seeing that, knowing that Brock's alone and mm -hmm. all of that, um, it was just, it was, it was awful. So there's no way to prepare it. I didn't practice it. I just that day when they yelled action, I just did it, and you made us all cry in the, oh. in the editing room. Seriously, it was like when I saw it, I was just, I was so just emotionally taken and when my assistant Chris saw it I'm gonna embarrass him right now he started to tear up yeah. and then um, when uh, you know Peter Gould who directed that episode came in and um, you know he just couldn't believe the amount of amazing performance that we had you know from you and then when Vincent Vince came in he's like oh just just let it play and give the guy another Emmy please <laughs> <laughs> Just let it play. You know, there's no reason, you know. <laughs> so oh, it was very, very, uh, very <clears throat> nice. But I got to tell you, that was when um, they said that, and that's a wrap on Aaron Paul for the evening. I was so happy to be done. I bet. It was just, it was so, um, it was so rough. Because you can't, you can't give it all in one take. And then after 30 or 40, 30 takes and mm -hmm. from different angles, you still have to yeah. keep going there and so it's uh it's a little rough it's got it what does your mom say about stuff like that what has, what has your mom said about some of the performances and some of the things that you've done 
I mean, my mom is just such a sweetheart. She she is. She's she, every <laughs> your every, mom and your dad. I know <laughs> they're, they're so they're, sweet. They're the best. And they're like, well, that's our son. How do we yeah. raise like, him what, to be yeah. able to do this? <laughs> we wanted to keep him from stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're my mom. Um, almost on a daily basis, um, either over the phone or an email, she just lets me know how proud she is of me. And it's just, you know, without their support, um, I wouldn't be here sitting, talking to you. So, and it's so funny. I I know I've probably told this story on the podcast before, and I know I've, I know you and I have talked before about this, but when I first met you, um, at Sony or Culver studios, Culver studios, when we did the, the cast and crew screening and I met you finally. And I, and you were like, we were talking and you started to cry. I'm like, are you crying? Why? Why? And and at that point, I've always remembered that because you knew what this was going to do. I knew, knew. I knew, you know, I got to tell you, uh, it was, it was a very emotional experience for, for all of us involved. I mean, I think we, I think we all, knew deep down there was there was just we knew that we were part of something special, special yeah. when we read it uh-huh. but when we when we saw just the tone of it like where they're going and just how unbelievably artistic mm-hmm. every single shot was and the 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 way it looked like the the light i mean it's just so beautiful um you know i've been fighting for just jobs for you know 10 plus years before breaking bad breaking bad was like my I think fifth or sixth pilot that I had done and each pilot before that had never seen the light of day. And so when I saw it in this big screening room at Sony, I honestly thought after we saw it, um, you know, Vince was stood up and read a letter. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was reading like the pickup letter, which it was, we didn't find out we got picked up until like no, weeks it was later. Like months. Yeah. I months think. later. And so I saw it. I just, I just could not believe that I was a part of something so so special so groundbreaking and i knew from that moment uh that breaking bad was gonna change television i really truly did that's awesome i mean i i'm so glad to hear you say that because i i must say that i wasn't that you know i didn't know you didn't know (laughs) really i just you know in fact when we did the pilot i thought that it was a whole different kind of story i mean you know i thought it was sort of madcap and i thought it was really interesting and fun but i never knew the depths that it would go and i think i didn't really figure that out until i saw episode number 102 which out there you you all know it as 103 but internally we know it as 102 and that was the episode where uh, Walt killed Crazy Eight with the bike right. lock in the basement, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is mm. not what I thought that we were gonna get into." I mean, just when <laughs> when he's picking up uh, the broken plate and he just looks in the trash, he's like, "Wait a minute, there's something mm-hmm. wrong here." He starts grabbing out the pieces of plate, puts it together, and then there's just a, a big sharp piece missing. Missing. Your heart is pumping. Your spine is hurting. You're like, "Oh my." God. God, yeah. what's going to happen? I couldn't believe it. Even when I read the script, and I know I've said this on the <sighs> podcast, that I think um, episode 101 and 102 were probably the best things that I ever read for television yeah. up until then. It was just like amazing. I couldn't believe it. You ladies should talk about who uh, who plays Andrea getting shot in the moment that she falls down. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Our fantastic, uh, Tri- Trina Siopi, who has been on our props team since season two. Siopi! Um, <laughs> yeah, assuming she has not changed her last name since no, marrying um, Terry Sanchez. One um, of our, one of our uh, grips. Yes, one on of our, our show, grips. Yeah. Another Breaking Bad romance. romance. Indeed. Yeah, and she's a, a tremendously talented actress and stunt woman. And she did that stunt 
talk about I mean I was I was very concerned about Aaron that night and actually concerned that people in the neighborhood were going to know what was happening because it was you could just feel it yeah like it it felt like you know everybody would because we have a lot of people watching on. our shooting these days and it They're was just the so intense yeah. but watching Trina do that stunt was unbelievable i mean she did it she did it twice i think mm -hmm, right that's right it like it made my body hurt well falling downstairs is one of the most dangerous things a stunt person could do and trina she she just she was i'm, I'm gonna do it i want to do it i'll do it she, she, she did, did an great. amazing job is she, she a stunt woman it. she is yeah. a stunt woman. Yeah. she's oh, okay. a very experienced stunt woman very talented she's also a very uh talented actress but again she makes her living at least in, in on our show she made her living as our uh, as our one of our properties she, she actually like also she also actress. acted yeah. in the show too she played a nurse she did and raised her hand says I want to do it and I'm like is she a stunt woman? Yeah. And she was just a stunt woman and actress in uh, Michael Slovis's uh, episode of Chicago Fire which he directed after. Oh that's, oh, that's right. great. Yeah. She was caught in a car crashed car that was sideways and they had to cut her out with the jaws of life and she was upset because she was with some guy that in the in the sh show some guy she was having an affair with and she didn't want it to get out she did a really good job she did a really good job and she like you said she's in her an episode she's in the episode uh 306 i think yeah john Scheiben's, john Scheiben's episode this is when hank gets the call that marie's in the hospital and he comes barrel into the hospital and we is took she the nurse she's a nurse she's a, nurse. She's a lady oh. in the admitting window who he's right. talking to yeah. Uh, she probably was not happy with us. We cut out all, all her dialogue because instead we played it as a sort of a fugue state, kind of a not fugue state, but kind a of PTSD. A, but that yeah. that role um, was actually cast. We had another actress in there, and something happened at the last minute. I can't remember what it she was. She didn't they, show up. She didn't show up. No, I don't know what ha yeah, why yeah, she didn't show right, up. She yeah. didn't show up. And so we, in the you know last moment, thought, oh my God, Trina, because we knew she was a good actress, and and so she she did it. She did a great job. Yeah, did a great job. Well, yeah, I did jump ahead. I apologize for it that. Was, but one of the things that was fun about the, this up. episode and the end of the series is we got to revisit so many of the characters, like Carmen yeah. and, uh, and, and Andrea and, uh, you know, just Adam and Jessica as... as, as uh, as Gretchen and Elliot, and so it's, it was kind of it was it's kind of gives it a nice circular feeling that we're seeing these folks again. Well, yeah, it was it was nice both I think personally and professionally to give them some closure yeah. as characters mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Well, also um, if you want to talk about it, like when Walt goes to the bar and he's going to call Junior on the phone, um, we actually had to shoot that twice. You want to talk about? Oh what yeah. In the uh, well, I got a call, I got a call uh, from Diane Mercer. Uh, be, who got about a call in a, the middle of the night. Yeah. Who is who's who's one of our producers who works post and she uh, she said she had we had some other business to talk about and she said, you know, Michelle's probably gonna wanna tell you this, but I feel a moral obligation to mention that. <sighs> Well, I, I'll tell you, I will. <laughs> That's the sound. That's the, sound. That's the drum roll That's the of what happened. I, I actually got an email that very early that morning, and I thought it was a joke because somebody said, uh, in the email it said, it was from Diane saying that uh, the film had fallen off a truck and an airplane had driven over it, and then there was pictures attached, and I thought it was a joke. And then I read further, and I realized, oh, my gosh, this isn't a joke. And uh, because we shoot in Albuquerque and there's no lab there, we shoot in Albuquerque and our film is And because is we're one of the last two or three shows still shooting film. Film, right. Yeah. Our film is shipped to Los Angeles. And while it was being transferred Every from, day it's shipped every day, to Los Angeles. While it was being transferred uh, from the airplane to the, the terminal in Los Angeles, 
the little truck that was carrying the film, the box of film fell off, and a 727 ran over it. 737. Excuse me, sorry, 737, even bigger. 737 ran over it. And we have the uh, the film counts to prove well, it. But the, it right the amazing now. thing is, is that part of the film actually was recovered. The majority of it was destroyed. Uh, but the the we knew right away that we had an insurance claim that they couldn't uh, argue with. So you know, slam dunk. We're going to get to reshoot this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they had to reshoot the scene. What was interesting though about reshooting this is, you know, this is a very. It was a very. It was all uh, Walt. It was all you, Brian. And it was a very emotional scene. You have this scene where you're talking to your son, you know, at the end, and you're pleading with him. You well, you you know, you're trying to tell him all the things that you couldn't tell him before because you didn't get to be there when he finally learned the truth. The last, uh, you know, uh, uh, interaction that you've had of him with him is in that fight where you guys were fighting with a knife and you guys were tackling each other on the on the floor. And so this is, and months have gone by and you've had no contact with, you know, your son. So you're calling him at school because you know, A, that's where he'd be and you might get a chance to speak to him alone. Um, in, in, and a maybe, pla- in a place that's not being tapped by the DEA. Right, yeah. right. Um, and, you know, it's a hugely emotional, I mean, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, I mean, you know, it's, well, you can talk about it. You have to get ready for an emotional scene like this. And, you know, you have the added uh, a burden of doing it on the phone. So it's a phone scene. It's not even a scene that's face-to-face with another actor, although you guys were together on the set doing it. But then to have that whole thing destroyed by the by the airplane and knowing that you have to do it again. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? <laughs> is that a good thing? No, it's no, never I'm a just good wondering. Thing. Because then you're like, okay, well, maybe I get to do it again. I kind oh, of no, look no. at I don't, it I don't look like, at it as a good thing. Yeah, I kind <laughs> no. of looked at it because because I will say that, you know, I had I basically watched, you know, both days as well, you know, and having to do possible recuts on it. And most of your performance I took from the first one, mm. the stuff that did not get destroyed because it was just so emotional and I just would think it would be very very tough to get that again but well, it's tough you, you have to tap back into it it's it's you know it's disappointing all around every every department is disappointed we had to go back out there we had to redress we had to do the whole thing all over again so it was great uh, expense and trouble and emotional I had to get back into that frame of mind and mm-hmm. You know, when, when actors learn scenes, uh, unlike on theater, when you, you deliver the same dialogue night after night, this is, uh, you, you sort of develop an erasable mind. So you memorize the scenes that you're about to do, attach it to the emotional connection to it, and then you perform it, and then your mind just knows, okay, I don't need that anymore, and it starts to erase. So it's not like you can just go, oh, great, I'll just do it again. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I have to do the work again. Yeah to get that back, to do the research, you know, to get mm-hmm. back, to build to that point, and then to see where we were. And Peter and I talked a lot about, you know, at, at what point, is there anything you want to adjust? Or, and then you just, you know, you just have to suck it up and do it again. But <laughs> as know? a director, uh, Peter, it's got to be a little bit different from the directing standpoint because you can look at it going, oh, I get a second chance. I yeah, can. but what if what if I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt? But what if you look at it? You know, shit, I'll let you answer because I no, neurotic. I, I hope that well, I'm I'm hoping that he got what he wanted the first time, and then it's yeah, a, yeah. then it's a bummer. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, when I saw, I, I have to say, I was really excited when I saw your cut of the scene because you did. Kelly, oh, Kelly, you did a well, uh, you did an instant instant cut. Because yeah, what has want... to happen at that point, just to let everybody know, is when 
we get the call that says film is damaged. It's like, then I get a call saying, Kelly, drop whatever you're doing and cut this together as quickly as possible. But you got to do something really good. And there was a lot of dailies. Yeah. It was a long, it's a yeah. long scene. And I love to shoot And, and just to clarify that for everybody, that's to see what is missing. What, yeah. what damaged film is, is, right. is not there. And there was a lot not there. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there was. There was. There were. There were. There were significant pieces, and also, uh, there were. It was just. There was. There were pieces missing. But having said that, when I got to see Brian's performance cut together, and of course, without at that point, without RJ, without Jr. RJ, yeah, without we RJ's didn't have his side, side at all. without RJ said, I said, well, you know, this is just. This, this is going to be a good scene. <laughs> I'm excited yeah, about yeah. things. That, that's so, a lot of pressure, though, on you it's to huge. have to dis- yes. to tell us what we need, what and you how, need, or what yeah, won't work. The other thing too is that you know, at that point, you guys were still shooting. It wasn't like you guys were finished. So you've moved on to another day, yeah. Working, and I've got to like cut this together and show you. But the thing that you and I, we, do, I don't know what it is that you will have wanted. You know, I just can cut the scene with what I have. So I don't know. I mean, I can tell you if if we're sitting there, for example, and I'm saying I don't have a close up of, of of Walt. I was very excited. There were significant moments that you know that we I wanted to make sure that we had from you know from from the angles that we needed, and there was also material after the phone call, right? That was uh, just completely damaged that was, and destroyed. That was that the was bulk dis- of it. That was missing. Yeah. Actually, is yeah. the stuff is the stuff at the bar where he's watching Gretchen and Elliot. It, but you know, I, I you know, it, it's it's a it is a terrible thing, and I didn't want to have to go back and all that. But on the other hand, I got to have another day of directing Breaking Bad, which is never, <laughs> oh. which is not a bad thing at all. It's it's those one of the most pleasurable creative experiences it's possible to get. That's what so. I love about Peter, and I've said this before, probably other times. Peter is so unfailingly positive and enthusiastic it's been a great boon to me and the other writers and the, and everyone else he's around he's so positive it's uh i hate that about him yeah that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is I, irritating when i interrupted before it's, it's like, like mr I'm, bill i'm so i'm so different i'm so negative my first thought would be oh my god i gotta redirect this scene and something's gonna get screwed up it's not gonna be as good <laughs> yeah you know, it's just not it, it, it'd be like ah there was something he did there's something he did with his eyes that was like in the first version that got run over by the 737 <laughs> and we never got there again yeah no that was that was that was a concern it was a concern but that was i that was i had kelly's cut to look at and i so i knew that we i knew that we were gonna we were gonna be okay yeah. and uh that was you know that was it was it was a fun it was a fun scene and then it, we got to also shoot uh what walt's looking at which came later. Well, yeah, but don't we go got, to that yet. Oh, I just want to oh. get, because we have Brian here. I'm sorry. That's because okay. we have Brian here, this is Walt's moment. Yes. And I want to know. It is. I, I, I definitely want you, Brian, to talk about. I mean, this is a moment where your son has just rebu- rebuffed you. Rebuffed. Was that the right yeah. Rebuffed, yeah. rebuffed you. And at this point, you know, I'm assuming that Walt, there's, he his great plan is now trash what is he going to do i mean the one thing that i loved and i'm i i hope that you will forgive me if this is not the right thing but i took there was a performance that you gave in the bad footage in the in the in the bad uh, airplane footage that came across that we actually got to use and it's this one uh shot um part where you say please don't let all of this be for nothing and it just, you know, even when I showed it to you, Peter, it was just like the scene, that one um, performance was just like so, I mean, it, it just hit my heart so much because, 
you know, we started all this for a reason, you know, the pants flying in the air, this is for a reason. Mm-hmm. And when, when, you know, uh, Junior says, I don't want you killed Uncle Hank, you know, please don't let this all be for nothing. And you also say to him, you know, you know, you, you must take this money. You're a grown man now because you're now speaking to him and like, hey, you're not a little kid. You have to think about this. You're a grown man now. Please don't let all this be for nothing. Um, but I want to know at that point as an actor, um, you know, and you also have the young actor with you. RJ Mitty was with you when you're doing this. Mm-hmm. What was going on? Because at this point you are almost done, you know, as far as, you know, Brian Cranston is almost done with this role. Well, uh, you know, that, that line, please don't let this all be for nothing, is just, it just wraps it up, you know. And it's, 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 a, it's, it's an example of good writing, that, that when you read that and you know his emotional state, it's like he's at the end of the line. Um, it's a plea. It's a Hail Mary pass mm-hmm. to his son, please. He, it, this is the last thing I can say. But just before that, um, I wanted to turn it a little bit and, um, you know, as we are susceptible to our, 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 our feelings and, and outbursts, I, I, I wanted uh, some of Walt's frustration to escape. So I didn't want that also to be a plea. Like, you're, you're a grown man now. Please do. No, please yeah, do. It's I wanted angry. it just like, God damn it! Yeah, you know, you're, 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 way more angry. Do this! You know, you're, don't, don't be a baby anymore. Grow up! You know, I wanted yeah. to give him an emotional <laughs> slap and... Yeah. And then that didn't work, and I'm, I'm I'm reeling back, and then it's you're basically you look back into the bag and it's empty, and you turn it upside down, and it's like, well then, that's that's what it that's what I've got left. I've got nothing. I've I've spent every card I have, so mm-hmm. the only thing I can say is please, just have pity. I'm asking him to 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 have pity on me. Mm-hmm. Please don't let everything that I've gone through be for nothing. He now holds the key, the most unlikely character I think to hold the key to my success, at the, or at least a, a, you know, an, an inkling of my success mm-hmm. is is my son, the one who is the most innocent, really, aside from Holly, but uh, who had doesn't have a clue, and um, he rejects it. Mm-hmm. And so once I re- once I knew that the person who was my biggest ally is now my you know against me. Then that's when you give yourself something to watch. It's very hard. Then I have nothing left. Yeah. And I might as well turn in. Is it what you're is just it using like? everything you have as a I'm sorry. Yeah. Everything you have as a parent, you know, that's, that's where I feel I feel like this is the dad you're using every part of being a dad on him and it's not working anymore. And it's like there's there's it's like there's no connection between you. That's what he's saying. Yeah, it's not and it's odd. You're, just, you're dead to him. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's terrible. Can you, and, talk, and to watch. can you talk a little bit, Brian, about a scene like this where it's one of your last ditch efforts and as you know just trying to appeal to him um, and and doing it on the phone is that is it is it rougher to do something like that or is it um, mean, what is the what is it like to well have I mean I a the, scene like that well I think it actually it aids in the in the separation the separation helps uh, set the emotional tone is that you're, you don't have the luxury of looking into eyes. Mm-hmm. You don't have the luxury of, of seeing body language and seeing how it's being received. And that's why there were, you know, he wrote in, Pete wrote in and rightfully so, are you there? Can you hear me? You know, and 
son, and then I, I, I misconstrue his silence. I'm here, you know, and, and on the other end, I, I'm just assuming, okay, good, okay, good. Now, and I'm thinking he's along with this plan now, and I go along, and he's reeling backward and thinking, what the fuck is going on here? I, you know, probably looking around and wondering what this is all, how this is all going to resolve. And it actually, that disconnect actually helps, you know. Do you guys rehearse together? Did you rehearse this scene together? Yeah, we, we, we read it through. Um, you know, on emotional scenes like this, it, it's always the, it's customary. I mean, it, it is with me is, is, as a courtesy is that you allow yourself to be available for the other actor um, on off-camera things, mm -hmm. on phone calls and things like that. If it's a, if it's a, what time you want to be there? Okay, I'll see you at eleven thirty. Okay, fine, we'll be. Those those non-emotional scenes, I will always say no. The other actor doesn't need to make a special trip in or stay overtime to help me with that. But on something like this, yes. And so I I requested, and he gratefully accepted, of course, and he he knows his job, and and R J was there, and. And when it came time for me, I wasn't to working his, the day yeah. that, that we were doing the, the school scene, so I came in mm -hmm. to do his off-camera because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, it really does help. You, you want that person there to, to sense the, the pauses and the, and the way that the, that the line is delivered. It really helps to, to inform how mm -hmm. you feel about the next time you deliver a line. And then um, you realize, well, Walt realizes that he, you know, has been, uh, I mean, you know, that Junior has said no, and so he decides to give himself up. Well, that's over. Once that happens, it's over. There's no one else he can turn to. He knows Skyler's, well, we just had that whole thing with Skyler and took the baby. That's not going to work. Leave the baby. It's not what I wanted. It was impulsive. Uh, and that's what happened to Walter White, which I find fascinating to on his trajectory, emotional trajectory, is that he became from uh, from someone who was... Uh, a, a learned person's, you know, a scientific mind, very pragmatic, to being an emotional, emotional person. Yeah. He made the mistake. He made the emotional mistake, the clumsy mistake of leaving the book somewhere else, of not making sure that. So, but, and that's what happened. That's what happened to him. He he became an emotional person, and in some ways, he he, he you know, embraced that. Yeah, wow. uh, and uh, it was a it was a wild ride for him. Well. Um, at that point, you know, he goes and has a last drink. What is he drinking again? Temple Pinch, which is uh, <laughs> uh, my girlfriend Holly, her dad. That was his favorite uh, scotch, so okay. that was a little tribute to him. All right. But I think this is the first, uh, not having said that, I don't know why Ed the Disappearer couldn't have brought uh, Walt a little, a, little, uh, a little booze along the way. But I, I, I always saw it in my mind, the way you wrote the scene and the way Brian played it, that uh, that was his first drink in six mm -hmm. months. Mm -hmm. And he's going to enjoy this one drink. He's going to live in this one moment of, I'm just going to enjoy this one drink, and then, then I'm going to hell. Then it's all over. Then the cops will be here by then. And yeah. and then, lo and behold, the TV happens to be, as the guy flips through the TV, fate takes a hand. So when you guys were, when you said that Kevin had suggested, Kevin Cordasco, right? Cordasco. Mm -hmm. Had suggested that he wanted to see more of, Gretchen Elliott, and you brought that back to the writers' He room. didn't exactly say he wanted to see more of them. He just wanted, wanted to, know to know more about happened. them. But why, we took that and ran with it. We and, really did. And so how did that come come about, the whole Charlie Rose thing? 
Because that was a big surprise to us when we read it. We're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. luckily, it partly came about because of uh, Michelle and Melissa uh, uh, contacting uh, Charlie Rose's producers But I mean, you decided. Yeah, yeah, we talked to Charlie Rosie and Gurren's and, and your show. Yeah. Actually, we, we <laughs> but emailed. But you guys decided to approach him. I mean, you guys yeah. had to, yeah. you know, it could have been Oprah or something, but you guys wanted to do. Charlie Rose. Well, who, who's well, going to who's going to interview Bill Gates? Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, question. Yeah. Who's going to do the real the, the interview? F- the fun yeah. thing was is is that we emailed uh, Rosie Gurren, his his one of his producers, and Charlie emailed back directly and said, uh, "I love Vince Gilligan and I love Breaking Bad. <laughs> I would be happy to do this." I think you're paraphrasing a little, but I'm it was not. A very, it was a very nice email. He said, "I want to so make love to." <laughs> So, Peter, you got to trek over to New York and, and shoot Charlie Rose doing uh, an interview with Gretchen and Elliot. Yeah, that, and that was... Your hometown. The, theoretically, the last day of production. I happened... I was going to New York anyway. I was taking my daughter for uh, to visit family on her uh, on her spring break. And uh, I stayed stayed a couple extra days to, sh- to shoot this scene with Charlie Rose. And uh, we got to... You know, I took, I, she, I took her out of school so she could come up to the Bloomberg building... And uh, to get to see meet Charlie Rose and to uh, it was and it was I bet she was thrilled. She was well. There's nothing a teenage girl wants more. Well, she's 13. She's 13. And she was into she was into it at first. And then you know we had a very brief window to shoot this. You know, partially because Jessica Hecht, who's an incredible actor, she's in a show. Yeah, she's in a a, A Broadway. She's in a Broadway show that was written for her. And uh, Adam Godley was only in town briefly because he had another show. So at the, the window was vanishingly small. And then Margaret Thatcher died. And so we, oh. Charlie was, Charlie was busy and uh, he. She's he, in he our could, show too. He could not, not show. you where. He could not. Shows up. He could, Charlie. This was, this was the morning of the shoot. The morning and of I, the shoot. And I got a phone call saying that uh, we were going to have to reschedule. And everybody was there in New York. Oh. Because Margaret Thatcher died, and they had to have, sure. t- 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 they had to cover it, understandably. Uh, and so, uh, thankfully, they were able to reschedule it the next day. We were able to get Jessica. Adam was able to stay. You were able to stay, Peter. Thank goodness. So it worked yeah. out. And, uh, you know, I was at FAO Schwartz, which is around the corner from uh, the Bloomberg building. I was at FAO Schwartz with my with the kid, and I get this call from Stu Lyons. I, ah, we're not shooting right now. Uh, so, uh, and so we walked to Central Park and had lunch and had another day, had another day in new york with family Perfect. and uh then we came back the next day and shot it and it was it was uh anyway did I was, you, didn't I, you only have 30 minutes or something i did i had a very short window i may have been around 30 it was about 30 minutes and with the charlie rose people could not have been nicer and we set it up to look as much like a real charlie rose uh show as possible you left and, a lot of the uh, the way they would shoot it to them is that yes correct? i tried yeah. to. but the funny I, thing is peter was talking about how like they He's like trying to direct, and he's listening on the headsets, <laughs> that's, that's and right. all he hears is camera, camera A, go that's, this way, camera B, you know, and they basically doing the technical direction that TV shows like that. With do. those robot cameras. The there. Charlie Rose show is shot in such a small space. There was no place for me to be to be with the actors, so I was up in the control booth, in the Bloom, futuristic Bloomberg building with headphones on, and. I was hearing all you this. Get, I you couldn't get paid hear. every time you say Bloomberg Building. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a Bloomberg. it's very impressive. It's yeah, a very. Yeah. Imp- you should go. You have right. you been there? It's oh, it's really. I, it's I, imp- I think you're answering they my have, question. They have all the free all the free issues of Bloomberg Business Week <laughs> that you can that you can take. 
plus he's, he's the only guy who when he visits new york city who gets to drink soda anymore that's because right. he because he does this gigantic right. yes, they have gigantic <laughs> sodas at the bloomberg business week. anyway so the uh, so i'm in the middle of this 30 minutes and we're going back and forth and i'm giving little pieces of direction and my daughter starts pulling my shirt. can i go down to the green room can I get that? I get, no, I'm working. I'm working. So go back to one. Go back to one. Can I go back to the green room? I want to read my book in the green room. All right, go to the green room. So that's how much, that's how special it was to her. Yeah. So you'll have to just wait and see how, how important that uh, this whole Gretchen and Elliot storyline comes up. Can you guys may talk never come just, up again. No, I, I think just this briefly? Was, this, was it. this was it. It was in New York. And, Can you guys uh, talk about, just, though, just briefly, um, maybe possibly talking to the, I don't know the actor's name that plays Elliot, but also Jessica Adam Hecht. Godley. Yeah. Adam Godley. Just um, talking to them about the fact that, oh, guess what? We're calling you again from Breaking Bad. And w- were Breaking they like... what? Were they like, years ago. Were they like saying, wow, we're, we're back? Or, or what was that like, Peter? Or Vince and... Peter, what is well, I didn't call them. They they showed up. They showed up. Somebody else so called. So did anybody them. brief? Them? I mean, you know what? They I mean, were brief. Well, Jessica is married to, to, to Adam, Adam Bernstein, Adam Bernstein yeah. Yeah. Yes. Je- uh, one of our terrific uh, staff. But he hasn't been here this season either. So I mean, just to get the phone call, basically saying, "Oh wow, guess what? These characters are back." And they were. Was just there any story there at all, or yeah, am I just you know we don't out? make the phone calls. That's <laughs> oh, okay. our casting folks, uh, Sharon and Sherry and Russell, make the phone calls and. Uh, I will say Jessica, though, was over the moon. I did talk to her a little bit because, you know, it was such a a scheduling challenge. But she was so excited. And it was, as uh, Peter indicated, this play that was written for her that she stars in. They're so demanding. Ryan knows very well. I mean, you know, it's eight shows a week. And she, she, I think if she hadn't been so committed to doing it, Mm -hmm. we, we wouldn't have gotten her in the first place. No. I mean, it was... People wanted to complete the story and wanted to yeah. come back. And, and Adam, same same with Adam. I, I was joking a minute ago because it's bad. I was joking because it's been so long since he's been on the show. It's uh, since uh, season and, one. Yeah, because Jessica has visited with us since then, but or we've visited with her character. But yeah, not since season one in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I get two thousand eight. Well, yeah. it aired in two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, great guy and. Uh, yeah, they were uh, pros as always. They so, were. They were. They really brought it. And Charlie was. Charlie Rose was a very, very gracious host and very eager to do to to do it and do a good job. And he, I told him, you can, you know, Charlie. He said, how, you know, uh, you know, will this be okay? I said, this is going to be fine. And if you wanted to, you could put everything in your own words. Just get the essence of it. And damn if he didn't get every word pretty much the way it was in the script. So I, I was. Uh, he he really he really brought it for us. Well, um, you know, I hate to bring this to a close, but um, we've got one episode left. It's kind of, I guess it's sort of getting a little emotional. I don't know. I'm not very emotional yet. We've still got three episodes to cut. <laughs> but um, but we've got one episode left when this airs, um, and uh, it is the, the final episode of the whole series. Last one um, Vince Gilligan, you directed it. You actually wrote it as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, Until we uh, make a series of movies. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Float that the out opera. there, Brian. The fucking bad opera. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, uh, I guess you know to use the words you like to use, we're moving like gangbusters, Vince. You know. Well, and, this last one, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. It's 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 there's not much in the way of drama. Yeah, yeah. it's a little mellow. It's a little mellow. <laughs> it's basically all the dramas behind us. Now. We go to a restaurant and order food. Yeah. And blackout. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But the question is, is who's at the table? 
Um, I am joking, of course. It is, uh, yeah. There's still drama. There's plenty of drama behind us now. It's still plenty ahead. Well, well this Walt's, Walt's got something in mind at the end of this episode. Yeah, obviously, because he, he definitely disappears from that. All we see is that he empty, becomes the disappearer. The empty That's bar right. and the and the and the scotch on the table. Um, well, thank you so much. This has been inordinately long. But by the time all these air, it's probably not going to be an inordinately long podcast. It's going to be like the average. Oh, by the way, i got to say, this is my favorite episode. Ah. My very favorite episode. <laughs> of all? Of all of them? Yeah. I mean, Kelly says that every time. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> um, Thanks, Kelly. I was taking you seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and praise. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, oh. I forgot to say it on 509, too. Oh, well. Well, no, but the, we this whole thing started because we were giving you shit on 510 for saying it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or was it 511? One of those. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, thank you so much, Brian, for staying and, sure. and doing thank this you, with Kelly. us. It's um, thanks for doing all it's, these. Oh, it's I was just, yeah. just going to say, in case in case we we forget to say this on on five sixteen podcast, Kelly, this would these podcasts would not happen without you. You are a great host. That's thank so you. Nice it's been you. a lot of That's fun. True. It's been really fun. And I, you your know. brainchild. Oh, your idea. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't podcast. know what a podcast thank was. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's just been really fun, and I, it's just funny because when we first had the idea, and then you know. Um, uh, we just started doing them, and then yeah. they became a thing. But thank you, everyone, uh, for being here. Brian, Peter, uh, Vince, Michelle, Melissa, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day and uh, doing this. I, I just feel like we're we're getting so much stuff that I don't think is going to be anywhere else. I mean, you know, so much of these things can happen in print and can happen on some interviews, but I just – I got to say, Vince – you know, I, I should probably wait till next week to say this, but I feel like y you are doing something as a showrunner that doesn't get done in town. I mean, we know we don't get to see the behind the curtain. I don't know any other show that does anything like this. And you are very, very honest in what you're giving away. A lot of people, I think, would say, oh, we always knew what we were going to do. Oh, that was no surprise. Oh, we had it planned out that way. And you're very honest. And I think that that resonates with a lot of people. Well, good. And I just want to say thank you for that because it's brave. I think it's very brave of you to do it, but it comes across as, to me, it comes across as being very honest well, and, and letting people you. see, you know, what it is like to run a show and how much, you you know, I see you, on, you know, once we're in post, I see you every day. You have to deal with so many things. This is just one added thing, but you also have to, you know, be honest with people about what your process is, what you knew, what you didn't know, and that's that's a lot. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I just want to say I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's very sweet of you. I mean, you know, I appreciate that you. Doesn't share seem like it. a hardship to be honest about it because it's been such a great experience, and there's been plenty of pain, and, and certainly God knows plenty of mistakes on my part. But, but uh, you share but I'm so that proud with of the us. Way, yeah, it's just I'm so proud of the way it all came out. I figure it can't hurt to say. I didn't know what I was doing two thirds of the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, uh, thank, thank you, Kelly. thank you so much. Thank you, Peter, as well, Melissa. You guys, Michelle. You guys, we you add so much to all of this. So I appreciate. It. Okay, that's it for gushing. You know. Anyway, uh, everybody, uh, stay tuned. Next week, that's the end. Sorry, it's it's going to be over in a minute. Um, everybody, go out there and break bad. We'll see you next week.